Welcome to the Empowered Kingdom, where we will dive into the amazing forgotten teachings of Jesus Christ about the Kingdom of Heaven on Earth. The Empowered Kingdom podcast is specifically for believers who hunger and thirst for a real relationship with Heaven. It does not matter what your gifting is, the Kingdom calls everyone into ministry in partnership with the heart of God. Are you listening? Will you answer the Kingdom's call? Hello family, this is Guy for the Empowered Kingdom. It's always a privilege to be able to come and speak with you and share things and insights with you about the Kingdom of Heaven, which Jesus said we need to preach that it's at hand and that it's in our midst. I want to speak to you today about deception. And this is a subject that I began to study when I was about 16 years old, because at that time, I was watching the news and almost every evening we would see stories of Belfast, of how the Catholics had bombed the Protestants or how the Protestants would then bomb the Catholics. And this went backwards and forwards for a long time and it was shown on our TV screens on a regular basis. And I looked at this and I said, but something doesn't add up here. On the one hand, you've got the Protestants who say they follow Jesus Christ, the Bible, and God. And on the other hand, you've got the Catholics who likewise say they follow Jesus Christ, the Bible, and God. Both sides study the Bible, and yet both sides were throwing bombs at each other and trying to destroy each other. Completely opposite to what we read in Scripture about thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And I'd look at this and say, but something is going on here. There is some form of deception taking place. And in particular, I then started to say, Lord, help me understand this because I don't want to be deceived. I want to be right with you. I want to not be spending my life going down a path where I end up being deceived. And with this as a backdrop, I then started to adopt an observer lifestyle in which everything I would look at would become part of the process of observing what's going on around me, how people think, how they rationalize, how they come to conclusions, how they defend their positions. All of this with a view to what is deception and how do we keep ourselves free from deception. Now, this is incredibly important because one of the things that I came to realize as I read through Scripture was that there is a consistent prophecy in the New Testament. In fact, I believe it's the dominant prophecy. It's the most, um, it's like a drum beat that goes drum, 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 beat, 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 that runs throughout the whole New Testament. And that drum beat is the drum beat of deception, especially in the end times and especially of the church. And I can do a whole study on that in itself and back all of that up with scripture. But I'll just share three with you just to give you a clue and an insight into this. I didn't realize how dominant this prophecy was until I started to pay attention to what I was reading in Scripture and looking for it. And here are three passages I'd like to just share with you. 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season to reprove, to rebuke, and encourage with every form of patient instruction. For the time will come when men will not tolerate sound doctrine, 
But with itching ears, they will gather around themselves teachers to suit their own desires, so they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Couple of key words here. Be prepared in season and out of season to reprove and to rebuke. If we look at what we have today, we have what Paul gives as a contrast, and that is that they will gather around themselves teachers to suit their own desires with itching ears, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to miss. So in other words, Paul is saying you must be prepared to reprove and rebuke, and yet today we have the latter part of what Paul is saying teaches that we are gathering around ourselves to teach us nice things but not that which is to correct, reprove, and rebuke. Let's go to Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Jesus is speaking now. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, talking of the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we need to stop and ask a few questions here. The first question is, who is Jesus talking about? Well, that answer is given in the statement in how they respond, because many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Question, who says, Lord, Lord? Well, the answer is people that follow Jesus Christ and acknowledge him as Lord. Those are the ones who say, Lord, Lord. That's not talking of the atheist. It's not talking of governments. It's not talking of anything other than the people who say, Lord, Lord. And it goes on to define this group of people. It says, did we not prophesy in your name? Again, who prophesies in the name of Jesus? Who says in the name of Jesus, our Lord, Lord and Savior? And in your name they will cast out demons, who cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And in your name they will do mighty works. So who is Jesus describing here? He is describing the group of people that believe in him. This is not a description of atheists, of agnostics, of unbelievers, of, of antagonists, of foreign religions. It's a description of people that are so committed to him that they will declare him as Lord, they will prophesy in his name, they will give their life up to casting out demons, they will do mighty works in his name. Wow! Wow! That should stop you in your tracks. That is a prophecy of the end-time church. And Jesus is saying of the end-time church, many of you doing all of these things are going to be shot because I'm going to tell you I never knew you. So there's a second passage that is part of that drumbeat of a deceived end-time church. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 1 to 4 says, Now, brothers, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So what's the context? It's talking of an end-time church and the coming of Jesus Christ, because that's going to take place in an end-time church context. And concerning our gathering together unto him, we ask you not to let your mind be shaken or troubled, neither in spirit or by word, nor by letter coming as though from us, as if it is the day of Christ that is already here. Now just stop again and pay careful attention to this. What we see us around us today 
is there are many that are standing up and giving letters as if from the apostles. How can I say this? Well, very simply, they claim to be apostles. And therefore, they send letters and writings and teachings around as if from us, says Paul. Paul says, don't be shaken or troubled, and neither in spirit, nor by word, okay, word, that which is spoken or preached, nor by letter coming as though from us, as if the day of Christ is already here. Do not let anyone deceive you. There again is that drumbeat warning of deception. In any way, for the day will not come unless a great falling away comes first. So Jesus is saying, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but they are deceived. Paul is saying the day of Jesus Christ will not come, his second coming will not come, unless there is first a great falling away. Paul is saying to Timothy, there is a time coming when people will gather teachers to themselves with itching ears to suit their own desires. And these are just three scriptures. There's probably 20, 30, 40, 50 passages that I could go look up and show you how this theme just keeps going, as I've said, as a drumbeat through the New Testament. So why is that important to us, and what has that got to do with the kingdom of heaven that is at hand? Well, it's extremely important because of this point that I want to share with you, which is actually the crux of today's lesson. And that is that whenever the Lord is going to do something, Satan, one way or another, gets wind of it and then says, I've got to counter this thing the Lord is doing. And when something is coming, like a great move of the Lord or a great change or a great event of the Lord or influence of the Lord, Satan will anticipate that. And one of the primary ways in which he tries to undermine it and take the Lord's people off track is to create a false wave. In other words, he looks into the future. Let's say that God, and this is hypothetical, let's say that God says, right, I'm going to release on the earth a new wave of prophecy. Well, what Satan says is, oh, so before God's prophets, before God's true prophets step onto the stage, Satan runs out with a false wave and starts inspiring schools of prophecies, movements of prophecies, etc., etc., but these are not prophets of God, not Satan's ones. And what he creates then is this whole picture of what prophecy should look like in the minds of people who are not studying the word deeply enough and closely enough to be able to discern the difference. And so he then brings a wave, one or two or three or four waves or whatever, and it can be prophecy, it can be revival, and in this time that we are in now, I believe he's doing precisely the same thing, but in the area of kingdom dynamics and development. And so what he does, he knows what the Lord is planning to do. So he sends out his waves of false teachers, false prophets, who will then be as teachers who teach to itching ears to suit the desires of the audience. And this is one of the distinctions between those that are of God and those who are not. The teachers that are not of God are very hypersensitive to whether they are pleasing their audience or not. And they teach to itching ears. They tailor their message to itching ears. They tailor their prophecies to itching ears, as an example. 
And Satan will flood the market, if I can use that phrase as an analogy. Satan will flood the market with wave after wave of teachers who will fit this mold. They are crowd pleasers. And they will come in the name of Jesus Christ and they will speak in the name of Jesus Christ. And they will convince many to follow them. And they will convince many to do signs and wonders and cast out demons and all of these things. Not my words, Jesus' words in Matthew 7 verses 21 to 23. And you need to discern. Now that doesn't mean to say that when God sends his teachers, that his teachers will not do these things because his teachers will be empowered to do signs, wonders, miracles, cast out demons, etc. But they will actually be God's ambassadors, God's vessels, God's people. But the wave that precedes them will not be. And you need to be very careful about this and discern the difference. So one of the ways you can discern the difference is to look at the fruit. Jesus says you will know a tree by its fruit. Well, how can you know an orange is an orange if you never have an orange in your hand and if you are ignorant about what an orange looks like, smells like, feels like, tastes like? How can you know something of fruit is an orange? If you've never seen an orange, you don't know what it smells like, feels like, tastes like, and somebody brings an apple to you and says, this is an orange. Look how sweet it is. Look how good it is to eat. Look how it will make you wise. Look how good it is for nourishment. And we go out and say, oh, what a wonderful teacher, man of God, etc., etc." But we're saying that only because we are ignorant of the fact we don't know what an actual orange looks like. But as soon as you know what an actual orange looks like, the deception becomes obvious. Hence, the need for everybody to study the word for themselves. And you need to study deeply and very carefully because many of these teachers, Satan's teachers, are extremely cunning in their approach, in their logic, in their deceptiveness. And unless you study the word very deeply and become familiar with it, and this means you've got to get into day by day by day, prove yourself to be a trustworthy student, prove yourself to be pure of heart, in seeking the Lord, then the Holy Spirit comes along you and expands your mind and your understanding so that you can begin to discern these things. Now, one of the things that in 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 that Paul says to Timothy is that you need to reprove, rebuke, and encourage with every form of patient instruction. So one of the discerning characteristics here is look at today's teachers. They are so into seeker-friendly that you often find no rebuke, no reproof, no correction of instruction to come back to sound doctrine. But it's all about, are you having a great day? Did things not work out for you? Well, here's 10 ways into make money come to you and all sorts of things like that. Let's just put a balance to that last statement. There is a place for prosperity. In fact, in the kingdom, there is a place for massive prosperity. But I have yet to find a prosperity gospel teacher that is teaching that from the orientation of what is the heart of God concerning this and how do we build kingdom and serve and be good and faithful stewards as children, as sons of God, as daughters of God, for the purposes of God, for the heart of God. When you align yourself with that perspective, you start coming into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. But have yet to hear that. Yes, I've got, I've heard a lot of fancy talk around it, and I've seen a lot of manipulation around it too, 
in which those who are preaching are making themselves fabulously wealthy, often at the expense of many in the congregations who are struggling financially, who at the end of the day do not become wealthier. Anyhow, that's leading me off onto another subject in which I can get somewhat <laughs> aggravated about. When you understand the kingdom dynamic of God, it's a beautiful dynamic. It's a dynamic in which we don't have to manipulate people into giving us money, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. Now, if you understand Scripture and you read Scripture and you model what we should be on Jesus Christ and you pay careful attention, the word careful, 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 careful attention, and you pay careful attention to how he manifested, how his apostles manifested, then you don't see Jesus doing things like, hey, who wants a miracle? Well, let me pass the plate around for a collection first. Oh, you want me to give you a miracle? You want the best from me, do you? Well, did you give the best that you have? Let's pass the plate around a second time. Oh, you're really sure that's the good enough? If you're going to ask God for the best that he has, did you really give your best? Let's pass the collection plate around a third time. I've been in churches where that's been done three and four times. It's manipulation. Do you really see Jesus Christ doing that? Is that really the example and the model that he has given us? And there is a mass of this kind of manipulation taking place, which is not in the image of Jesus Christ, which brings us back into focus of today's message, is that whenever God wants to do something great, Satan will send out great waves that are not of God, but to mimic what God wants to do, but in a way that will degrade it and cause the situation, the atmosphere around it to change, so that when God's prophets, God's preachers, God's anointed ones come on the scene with the true message of God, the audience can't hear them because there's too much noise in the atmosphere. There's too many lies, too many deceptions, too much heartache, too many bitternesses, too many hurts. It's an evil, evil, evil thing. The deception takes place in the church and it takes place in the form of people that prophesy, Matthew seven twenty-one to 23, prophesying in their name, casting out demons in your name, declaring in your name mighty works in your name, and so on. The greatest warning in the New Testament, the greatest prophecy, the most consistent prophecy in the New Testament is of deception and a deceived end-time church. You have to take these things seriously. Another scripture for you, and I forget the exact reference, but it comes to mind. The passage says, Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart is the answer. Look at these churches, look at these pastors, look at these preachers. How many of them are teaching you holiness? How many of these schools of the prophetic are teaching you holiness? Holiness, holy, 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 clean hands, pure heart. That is who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. In other words, if your hands are not clean and your heart is not pure, you will not ascend the hill of the Lord. And anything you encounter along the way that makes you think you are doing so is a deception. In other words, before you even get on the journey of prophecy, of 
miracles or signs or wonders or anything. It begins with the Lord your God is holy, be holy as I am holy. It begins with that. And that process of holy is the cleaning up process. It's where the rubber hits the road. It's where the Holy Spirit works on us, confronts us with our lies, our deceptions, our falsehoods, our rationalizations, our greed, our envy, our insecurities, and so on. And it goes to work on us doing this deep surgery of the soul, which can be painful, 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 and hard and arduous, and sometimes can take years and even decades. Yet what you see of modern teachers, this wave that comes before what God wants to do, is devoid of the instruction of holiness. It's almost devoid of the instruction of before we teach you things like prophecy or healing or anything like that. We need to make sure that you are holy. Now what happens when a person comes into the arena and is not holy? Well, in Acts we read about the sons who tried to cast out the demons, and the demons turned on them and tore them to shreds. Why? Because they came trying to, in Jesus' name, cast out demons, do signs, wonders, and miracles. But the demons can see through you. They can see whether you are holy or not. They can see whether you are clean with the Lord or not. And if a preacher comes into the arena and now has his heart filled on the kingdom of heaven, but satanically, those demons say, sucker, we've got you. We've got you. And they will whisper in your ears and say, hey, I'm Jesus Christ. And the person will take that bait, hook, line, and sinker. And you have a deceived church. Because in your pulpit, you've got a deceived pastor. Filling your ears, your itching ears, with things that you want to hear as opposed to the love of Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ that says there is no other standard than you better clean up your act and be holy and clean up your heart and your hands and have a pure heart. This is the standard of the kingdom. Now, I know that hits you right between the eyes and is like a belly punch and hurts really deeply for some of you. And I apologize for that. But I don't want to leave you there. I apologize for that on one level. But on the other hand, if I don't say it, who out there will say it? Who out there will confront you with the truth, not that you want to hear, but the truth that you need to hear? You see, you need to hear that the Lord has something great and wonderful and powerful and profound for you. You need to hear that the Lord is bringing at this time a great revelation and understanding and closeness of the kingdom of heaven to help us through this time. But you also need to understand that the evil one has anticipated this and is sending out wave after wave after wave of those who will talk about it but have no clue about the power of the kingdom, the ramifications of the kingdom, the application of the kingdom. And so I will slap you, I'll give you a gut punch to wake you up, to say stop. Go back to Scripture, because there you see the beautiful things of Scripture. There you see the promises of God. And when you take the promises of God in a pure and holy way, it becomes incredibly beautiful indeed. And that is the future that God is calling you to. So when you start to see these things, don't get upset about them. Learn to say, oh, thank you, Lord, for showing me that. Now, Lord, please show me what your version is. 
I want to know you. Let me dance with you. Let me rejoice in you. Let me know you. Let me be pleasing to your heart in every way possible. When I began to realize the depth of deception in this world and around us, I began to pray, and I prayed this for six months, and you can adopt this and adapt it for yourself. But I began to pray, Father, whatever is not of you, take it away from me. I don't want it. No matter how much I love it, no matter how much I'm addicted to it, no matter how much I've given into it, if it is not of you, take it away from me. I do not want it. I do not want to get to that day when you say, depart from me, I never knew you. So everything that is false, everything that is not of you, Father, I'm asking you to remove it from me. And I'm asking you to do so gently in Jesus' name. I pray that constantly, day in and day out for six months. The Bible tells you pray without ceasing. I tried to make that, that's all I prayed for six months. And then after six months, I started to pray the positive. You see, in the process of confronting truth, there's always the gut punch. But we need to know that's temporary. Let's clean up our house. Let's clean up our act. And then you come to that place of now, Father, let me change my prayer. Whatever is of you, I pray, establish that in me. Build me up in the things that are of you, the things that you love, the things that you are dear to. Now that you've cleaned out of my life everything that is not of you, now start putting into my life the things that are of you. And then you start finding the Lord starts to work with you and says, there is a man or a woman after my own heart in whom I'm well pleased. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But this is part of the journey. This is just part of that process. So we, when we're young Christians, we don't know what this whole arena is about. And so we are so hungry. I was one of these people, whenever there was an altar call, I committed myself to be the first to the altar. And so I was at the altar many, many, many times. I was so hungry. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord. I want your truth. Part of the journey. Then you get the wolves come in. They see you young. They see you ignorant. They see who you are. They try to mislead you. That is part of the satanic plan. And it's okay because it's an opportunity for you to learn and to become wiser. But if we become too drunk and too addicted, then it becomes necessary for somebody to step in our life very now and again and give us that gut punch of truth to say, no, I know this is going to hurt. And I know it's going to be difficult to put it aside, but I understand the Lord is something so much better for you, so much purer, so much more beautiful, so much more holy. Won't you come and take the Lord in hand and let us rejoice in him and be glad for his way is good, powerful, mercy, his love and mercy endures forever. You get the gut punch because the Lord is calling you. May you hear his voice and his call. May God bless you indeed all the days of your life. May the love and joy and peace and mercy of the Lord be upon you, your business, your wealth, your prosperity, your family, forever and ever. Amen. Thank for listening to the Empowered Kingdom Podcast. Has this helped you in some way? If so, please visit our website at empoweredkingdom.com and join the discussion on our social media. We rely on people like you to help spread the word. Sharing and commenting on just one post each week can help build the kingdom in hundreds of lives. Yes, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Help us spread the word. Join us at empoweredkingdom.com.